Hey, this is Adam Starling. I'm the senior pastor at Victory Family Church. Thank you so much for joining us today. I pray this message will inspire you, encourage you, and hopefully challenge you to become everything that God has called you to be. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning. How are we doing? We okay? 10 o'clock pack house, man. Thank you guys so much for being here uh, today. It's a good Sunday. It's tailgate Sunday. And so I hope you saw Newcastle's finest out there from the band and their cheerleaders hanging out, man. Today is tailgate Sunday. Let me tell you what the, let's give them a round of applause. Let's go ahead and do that. Yeah. Let me tell you what Tailgate Sunday is and how it differs from the other Sunday. In here, it's the same. We're going to preach Jesus and we're going to worship him. We just want to have fun, man. And so that's what's going on outside. And so after you leave this, uh, this service, man, there are going to be hot dogs out there. There's, it's like concession stand. There's candy. There's pickles. There's popcorns. Everything's just a buck. Uh, we just want you to hang out, man. That's the goal. So we say a lot. We are family. Like we believe it, man. And we want you to understand that we believe it. We want people to hang out. They're going to be playing more of that stuff. And uh, man, it's going to be a, a good, good day all together. Uh, but I want to tell you about a couple things before we get going. So the first thing I want to make sure you guys know, next Sunday is huge. Next Sunday for us is huge. It is Baptism Sunday. Let me talk about that just for a second. So Baptism Sunday, man, if you've surrendered your life to Christ, maybe that was last week or maybe it was 25 years ago and you've never, man, taken that step of obedience and been baptized, that's for you, man. It is your step to be able to, to do that. And again, baptism really is a little bit like what I always say is like a wedding ring. Like it's, there's nothing saving about that water. Like you're not going into the water getting saved. If you're not saved, you shouldn't be in that water. Like that's not what's happening with baptism. What's happening literally, so you look at the ring on my finger. It's not, this doesn't mean, like this isn't the, the marriage like this. If I take this off, I'm still married. But culturally, at least in America, when you see a ring, you think, well, that dude's married. Like that guy is married. So the same is true for baptism. Again, you're not getting saved going in that water. But you are identifying with the rest of the, the family of God. So someone could be driving by who is a child of God, and they see someone go underwater and come up. They think, yep, yep, they're in. And so you come up out of that water, and we celebrate. Man, that's what baptism really, really is. And you say, well, can I just get baptized in the house by myself? No, I, I, no, I don't think so. Like, it's an outward expression. Uh, I just take a shower every day and say, Lord, baptize me. No, it's an outward expression of what's going on. And so, uh, again, what's going on inside yours, telling the world. And so I want to encourage you to do that. Get signed up. Uh, I'm always willing to do it. Every experience. If you're just one, it don't matter. Just It's a quick little change for me. would love to do it. Love to celebrate with you in that. So that's baptism that night. We've never done this before. So next Sunday night, Newcastle, we are actually doing Thrive on Sunday night next Sunday. So pretty stoked about that. And so you'll come to church in the morning. We're going to try to overdose you on Jesus that day. So that's the goal. And so you'll come back. I think it's at 6 o'clock. We'll make sure you guys know all week what time it is. I think it's 6 o'clock. But come back. And if you've never been to Thrive, man, it's really, it's a, it's a, it's a group of people making much of Jesus, man. We will uh, worship, worship, worship. It's a longer song set. Uh, I will speak for three to five minutes at most. And then we will just go after God. And so uh, incredible things happen, I think, when the people of God worship him. And so want to invite you to that. Next one is going to be, it's going to be awesome. How many of you guys had siblings growing up? Or maybe you still got them, I guess, probably, maybe. So you got siblings growing up, yeah. Uh, how many of you guys had, how many of you are the older, the, el- the oldest? Okay, okay, I can tell a lot about people. How many of you guys are the youngest? Where are the middle ch- children at? Where are y'all at? Yeah, the middle children, yeah. So how many guys felt like growing up, like, mom and dad had a favorite? They're not, they're not here, let's just be honest. Did you feel like they had a favorite? 
Yeah, I feel like that from time to time. There were times in my life that I was like, clearly I'm the favorite. Like I can just tell I'm the favorite. And there were times I'm like, do my parents even like me? Like are they like my sister only? So like I can, I, it kind of shifted for me. How many of you guys have kids in here? Multiple kids, at least two or more. How many of you guys have a favorite? Keep your hands down. Don't answer that. <laughs> that was a setup. Don't answer that question. Well, we'll see in the Bible that Jesus actually ran with lots of different groups of people. And I don't necessarily think that you would say as as favoritism that Jesus had favorites, but some were certainly closer to Jesus than others. And so we're starting a series today called The Inner Circle. It's actually not a a new series. It's a series that we actually did online during COVID when you guys were wearing gym shorts and doing garden projects in between. I know y'all didn't watch it, man. And so we're going to come back to this because we think it's an incredible series that I think is going to help us grow uh, together. And so let me give you the premise of this series. This premise really is that we are as close to Jesus as we want to be. You say, well, no, 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 no. When I grew up, I was this, and I went to this kind of church, and, and, and when I got married, we, we believed kind of like, no, 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 no. You're as close to Jesus as you want to be. I'm not saying there aren't things in your life that you need to rearrange to get closer, but at the end of the day, you are as close to Jesus as you want to be. Let me, let me read from the, the Bible here in John chapter 13, starting at verse 23. It says this. It says, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved, was reclining at the table at Jesus' side. So I think it's interesting. It's worth noting that John actually wrote the gospel of John. So it's John saying, the one Jesus loved, that's me. That's who's writing this, 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 this book to you. It's kind of funny, but it's a bit factual. Like you will see Jesus certainly, don't hear me wrong. Jesus certainly loved all of his disciples, but you'll see over and over, John certainly was closer to Jesus than any of the other disciples. I wonder this today. Do you want to be close? You don't have to answer this. Do you want to be closer to Jesus than you actually are today? Like, are you satisfied with your relationship with Christ or do you want to be closer. So don't misunderstand me. I want to make sure we understand this. So I'm not saying, can you get more saved? That's not possible. Like you're saved. I'm saved. If you're saved, we're saved the same. And once you're saved, justification, we call that, you're justified in an instant. But there are certainly times in my life, it could be because of sin issues, or it could just because of busy, which I guess could be sin issues, like that I feel like I'm not as close to Jesus as I actually want to be. And so if so, Will your life, let me tell you this, your life will, the closer you get to Jesus, the more your life is going to look different. Like if you desire to be close to Jesus, again, the premise, you're as close as you want to be. You decide even today, I want to be closer, hear me, your life is going to start looking differently. So the next six weeks, we're actually going to be talking about six different types of people or even different types of groups that Jesus interacted with. And so I will contest that all of us, you will find yourself in one of these circle of groups of people. So today, we're going to talk about the crowds. The crowd really is the place of watching and listening to Jesus. And the next week, we're going to talk about the 5,000. You've probably heard of that before. It's really the place of feeding and healing. And then week three, we'll talk about the 70. If you don't know about that, you'll see this group of 70 that Jesus walked with, which is really the, the place of working and serving Then we'll talk about the 12, the place of leaving everything and following after him. And then week number five, we'll talk about the three. 
even the 12 disciples, there are three dudes that rolled with Jesus more than the others did. And then week six, we'll wrap it up with talking about the one. And this becomes really the place of sacrificial love. But again, this week, we're going to look at the crowd. And let me start by saying this. Jesus loves the crowd. Jesus loves the crowd. Look at Matthew chapter nine, verse 36. It says this. And look at the angle in which this is written. When he saw the crowds, talking about Jesus here, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So again, he's not talking physical here. He's not saying like the shepherds wants to be bathing these people. He's talking spiritually. Like they, I have this compassion on this group of people because they just look lost. They look like sheep without a shepherd. So Jesus' first response to seeing this crowd, when he sees the masses, he is always filled with love and compassion. Again, Jesus is not discerning the physical state of the crowds here. He's been healing them for quite some time now. People came to Jesus all the time with broken bodies, and Jesus is over and over putting them back together again. But rather here, we see Jesus, sheep without a shepherd. He's moved by a spiritual state of these crowds. He's concerned that maybe they've been spiritually neglected. Maybe they've been spiritually abused or even cast away. Like what a way to begin to see people. Like we don't, he doesn't see people for the physical, but he knows how much more important the spiritual is. And I'm not saying that Jesus doesn't care about your physical body. I think he does. I believe God wants healing for many people physically on this earth. Ultimately, healing's happening. It's happening for everyone at least one day. We know that to be true. So I do think Jesus is concerned, but don't get it twisted. Jesus is much more concerned about the spiritual well-being of his people than he is the physical. It's an incredible way to see people. So Jesus doesn't look at those of us in the crowd and see kind of our yuck, like the way we live our lives. He sees that we are sick Oh, that he can fix us. And we see this through the entirety of scripture. Jesus, every time he has personal encounters with different people, you see that he is filled. He is moved with compassion. Just think about even the woman that's caught in adultery. You might remember that story. And this group of men bring this woman to Jesus. She's been caught in adultery. She's cheated on her husband and brings him forth. And so whether you like it or not, it doesn't matter today, me either. The law was she needs to be put to death. That was the law at the time. I'm Thankful that's not the law today, but that was the law. So there's no arguing what should have happened to this woman. So they, these guys bring this woman here and throw her at the feet of Jesus and tell him on her, this is what she's done. If you remember the story, the Bible says that Jesus bent down and he started riding in the sand. And I, I don't know, the Bible doesn't say what he was writing. There were a lot of scholars that think maybe he was writing the list of sins of all these dudes that brought this woman. Maybe. I don't know. It would make sense that he might have done that. We don't know what he was, was writing. But we know that one by one, all these men began dropping their stones and they walked away. And you remember, right, he says to the woman, who is left to condemn you? Neither do I. Because they're already gone. Neither do I. Get up and go and sin no more. You see Jesus' compassion for the woman. The woman actually, again, had... Again, I'm not saying this is my belief today. The woman had what was coming to her. But you see Jesus overwhelmed with compassion for her. You think about Zacchaeus, wee little man. Wee little man was he. Remember Zacchaeus, man? Despised, this tax collecting man. Jesus went to his house for dinner. Why? Because he had compassion on him. Or the woman at the well, one of my favorite stories of all of Scripture this kind of race, kind of crazy story. You've got this Jewish man and this Samaritan woman never would have been seen together. 
Never. But they meet at this watering hole and, and, and Jesus offers her, living, offers her living water that will change. Like he tells her the water that you're going to draw here. It's Jacob's well. Like you're going to thirst again. But what I have for you, look at the compassion. What I have for you, you will never thirst again. And the woman's testimony, she goes away. She goes into town and she's like, I don't know. Here's what I know. This man told me everything about me, everything I'd ever done. That's, what I, that's my testimony. He has compassion over and over. Every individual he encounters, he has compassion on. Look at Luke chapter 9. Verse 10 says, on their return, the apostles told him all that they had done. And he took them, withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. When the crowds learned it, they followed him and welcomed them. This is the disciples have been trained. They're welcoming them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured them for all of those who had need of healing. The disciples actively, they've learned this. They actively welcomed the crowd. They didn't pick apart the crowd. They didn't separate the crowd. They actively, what, they invited them. They served them. They welcomed them. They built relationships with them. And they connected them to someone else. In the Bible, you'll see there are plenty of stories in which people walk away from Jesus. Jesus comes and he explains the, the truth, the word, and some walk away. But I can't find one in which that people come to Jesus that Jesus refuses them. He always welcomes sinners. He welcomes skeptics, the curious, the sick, the poor, the rich. So here's the good news. If you're a skeptic, fantastic, he welcomes you. If you're a skeptic, quite frankly, you probably should be. It don't take long to Google anything about the church and see another scandal. Like it drives me insane. So I understand if you're skeptical, Jesus welcome, and you're welcome here. Like, if you're curious, like, I just want to check this out. Like, dude said there was going to be a band here. I didn't understand that was a worship band. Like, like you were tricked or doped it. Listen, you're welcome. Like, I'm, I'm thrilled that you're in this place. If you would find yourself deep, deep in sin, you're, brother, you don't know what I did yesterday, you're welcome here. Like, you're unbelievably welcome in this place. I'm thrilled that you're here. The crowd is exactly where you need to be. Know this, Jesus always loved the crowd that he was in front of. But I think the great temptation of the crowd, so if you find yourself there, the great temptation of the crowd is to stay there too long and get stuck watching Jesus at a distance instead of participating in this new life with him. My greatest fear, quite frankly, as, as a pastor, is for the church when people stay in the crowd and they never actually experience all that God has for them. Jesus has compassion for the crowd, but he wants you to be so much closer. But we're tempted. We are tempted to stay in the crowd and get complacent. The crowd is easy. Quite frankly, the crowd is easy to be a part of, but you're going to miss all that God has for you because the crowd is a great starting place it's not a staying place. Like it's an incredible starting place. And again, if that's where you are, I am thrilled that you're in the crowd. It is not a staying place. Like if you're on the edge, like think pool or something, like you're on the edge, maybe you're attending for the first time even today or you're watching online for the first time, like viewing from a distance, that's incredible. It's a great place to start. Like it's a fabulous place to start. It's a terrible place to stay. To be so close to Jesus yet actually not follow him. Like you are never meant to stay in the crowd. I'm afraid there are far more people in churches across this, at least this country today, that are stuck in the crowd for literally years. 
Like they just go, they keep going. And in America right now, I know this is changing a bit. Like it's still okay. It's still, it's still the thing kind of to do on Sundays is people go to church regardless if they know Jesus or not. That's changed a bit in the last 25 years, but it's still much more than other, other secular countries. Like so there's still that, but I just, I'm just nervous that so many people are stuck in the crowd for literally years. And I think one of the unfortunate kind of casualties of the day in which you and I live, and I think social media probably does this to us, or, or maybe reality TV or TV stars, that the people who are famous, I don't know, with no other reason than just that they're, that they're famous, right? And the sheer volume of information that you and I can get about these people. So it could be online, even if you pick up a magazine, like there's still so much information that I can learn about all of these famous people, leaving me that I know somebody that I actually don't know at all. So I don't know if you guys have seen this show, this David Letterman show. I think it's on Netflix. It's, I think it's, my, it's called My Guest Needs No Introduction. Like, it's a fun show to watch. And there are all these famous people that Letterman was a great interview. He interviews these people. I, I've been watching it now for the last week. And, and I watched one uh, a couple nights ago with Jay-Z. And right now, I feel like me and Jay-Z are friends. Like, I literally feel like me and Jay-Z are boys. Like, I, I watch this. I'm like, well, I didn't know that. I didn't know that about him. And so, like, I have this kind of weird, not really, but I have this feeling like, I'm closer to that dude than I used to be. Like, I, we weren't friends all now. We're at least acquaintances, I feel like. Like, well, I'm on a level with Jay-Z now, I feel like, right? Or maybe this. Maybe not even that. But maybe you've done this before. Think of social media. Like, if I had this, a chance to sit down with you and you would be honest, and, and, and you would say, I didn't mean to do this. I wasn't trying to be creepy at all. But you looked on social media, maybe Facebook. You began stalking someone on Instagram or Facebook. And like, you found yourself scrolling back like three years and you're like, I didn't know they had a kid. I didn't know they had a motorcycle. You almost hit like, but you're like, oh, good Lord, no. They'll know that I'm creeping. Like I'm looking back, right? You're excited for them. And you don't even really necessarily know these people. Like the environment that you and I are in, I think with this online social kind of feeling, like it fosters the idea that we know people that we actually don't know. And there becomes this kind of faux kind of intimacy that begins with, we love this person and, and golly, man, I, I, I care deeply about this person, but in reality, you don't know them at all. And in fact, they certainly don't know who you are and they don't even know you're creeping on their page unless you hit like. Like we actually don't know them. So number one, I don't know that it's a great idea to be scrolling down three years. I think it could get you in trouble. But I think it's even worse though, when we begin to approach our relationship with Jesus in that way where we actually know enough about Jesus to actually know that we don't know him at all. Like we know some facts. Like it's, it's Oklahoma. Like there, there's nobody in Oklahoma that has at least heard the name of Jesus. We're not talking 1040 window here. Like people in Oklahoma, we know some facts about Jesus. Like we know some stats about Jesus. Maybe you know, well, I know, I know where he was born. Like I know that manger thing. I know, I know that kind of stuff. Like I know what his parents did. I know he was a carpenter. I guess he's probably good with his hands. Like I know what he liked to eat. Like you know all these things. You know that he's kind. Everyone thinks that. Atheists think that. He's kind. He's loving. But you actually don't know him. But we know a lot of facts. Like some of us could win some, some Bible bowl. But we don't actually have an intimate relationship with Jesus. And I think when that happens, like you almost get kind of like inoculated to this life full of surrender to Jesus Christ, like a little bit, just a little bit as, as he think he's your Lord and Savior. And if you're not careful, he becomes like this mythical man in your head with some facts you know about him. But honestly, he's not your Lord at all. He's certainly not your Savior, and you certainly haven't trusted yourself to him. 
So if we take that day in which we kind of live in this kind of faux, I think, intimacy, if that's how we begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, listen, you were robbed. You were robbed of the joy that's abiding in him that he teaches in John 15. We're robbed of the power that it should be at your access that he's meant for sons and daughters to walk in. We're robbed. You're robbed. You've gotten the short of the stick here that you're robbed from the grace that he teaches to, for us to experience that comes from actually knowing him. Too many people know some facts about Jesus, but they don't really know him. Listen to me. Knowing Jesus is far better than knowing about Jesus. Luke chapter 11, verse 27 says, as Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, bless it is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. So yeah, you say, your mom must be blessed, is what she's screaming. He replied, maybe, but blessed rather, let me tell you what's really blessed, are those who hear the word of God and obey it. To obey his word is to know him. People who know him obey his word. So if you're kind of looking in, like when are you going to jump? Like, when are you going to actually get in? Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't stay on the edge forever. Like, don't stay on the upper deck. Like, I wouldn't just come to church to kind of drain your religious guilt, but say yes to following Jesus. There's been a couple times in my life that I've been gifted uh, some kind of cool gifts of going to a Thunder basketball game with my boys and different times that different, uh, different, different boys I took. I always had two tickets. And so it was probably, uh, my boys were 13 or 14. And I think Paul was probably probably six years old. It was the first time he'd ever been to a Thunder game. And it's at my last church. And when someone gives you tickets, like you don't say where they're at, right? You can't say that. So you're like, yeah, I'd love to have the tickets. Let's do it. And so he dropped them off at my mailbox at the church. And so I went by and I thought, man, I don't know if he's going to like this. Like he's five or six years old. Like it's a long game. And so I even told the guy, I said, bro, if he doesn't like it, like I don't want to be weird. Like, is it cool? Because, you know, season ticket holders, y'all sit together, man. I don't want him telling. We just got up and left after the first quarter. You know what I mean? And so he was like, no, it's cool, man. Like we're not going. I don't care. And I was like, cool. So we got the tickets and they were the 300s. And so, uh, but it was kind of cool. They were actually the front first, first row, excuse me, about midcourt of way up there. And I thought, I don't know how this is going to go. Though. It's still a long ways away. And so we're watching it actually going pretty well. We get to halftime and, and this guy walks up to us who's wearing this suit. And he says, uh, I thought it's the FBI or something. I didn't know what was going down here. And so he was like, are you enjoying the game? I'm like, yeah, I think so. Yeah. What's up, man? He was like, yeah. He said, what I'd like to do is upgrade your tickets. I said, really? Like right now? Okay, Paul has no idea what's going on. I'm like, let's go, bro. Let's go, man. And so we, we load up, man, and we start going down the escalator. We're coming to the 200s. I think we're at club level. That's what I'm talking This club's great, man. Let him experience us down here. We keep going. We keep going. We go to the next escalator. We'll go down to the, to the court side. We're in the hundreds now. And I'm like, what? I mean, he, he, he doesn't have a clue what he's got right now. I'm like, are you kidding me? Let's roll. And so we're going through. I'm trying not to pass this guy. I'm so excited. And so we're walking down and we're going past 10, 9, 8. So we're going down to the fourth row we come in. Like here I am, man, got a t-shirt on and some shorts, some gym shorts, chocolate over my face from eating popcorn and not chocolate candy and everything. All these people like in suit and ties, drinking martinis. And I'm just like, we're out of place, but let's roll. And so we get to the bottom, like it's just this incredible experience. I don't know if you guys remember the storm chaser. I don't know if they still do that or not, but like literally this guy takes my tiny five-year-old this time and puts him on his shoulders and Paul makes the jumbotron and he's dancing. Like it's this experience of a lifetime that's incredible. So I think about like this, it was an incredible experience I and mean, I'll never forget it. Can you imagine, like, can you imagine like if that dude would have came up and I'd have been like, no, no, bro, we'll just watch it from up here. 
Listen to me. God has invited you to participate in so much more than being a part of Loud City. Like if you got season tickets up there, I'm fine with that thunder. The kingdom of God doesn't have third deck. The kingdom of God invites everyone to come near and to be close because he offers you more hope. There's so much more. There's more peace. There's more joy. There's more purpose. But you've got to step out of the crowd and actually begin following him. And so maybe you say, well, that's what I do, Pastor. I've followed Jesus for, for many years. Let me talk directly to you for a second. If you would call yourself a believer, you've got to get to the point where you bring other people to the crowd. Like that's got to be you. Like that's got to be who you are. Romans 10, 14 says, how will they then call on him who've not believed? Like how's this going to get done? Jesus isn't confused. Like he knows, the Apostle Paul here, right? Like he knows, but how are they going to believe of him whom they've never heard of? Like how's this word actually going to get out? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? You remember that saying that was said for a long time, and I don't remember who said it, but remember it said, preach the gospel always and use words when only necessary. It feels a bit heroic to say, I don't like it at all, if I'm being honest. Like if you got that tattooed on your arm, I'm sorry. Like I I just don't love it. I don't love it because I just think we, we buy into the, and I get it. Like I understand what it means. Sure, I need to walk the walk before I, I don't just talk the talk. So I understand the purpose there, that I don't just need to say, do this, do this, and my life looks in total disarray. I understand that. But the scripture's talking about people hearing. Because at some point, you're going to have to use your words. Like being nice, that's awesome. I think you had ought to be a good citizen. You should. And I think that's great. But at some point, you have to open your mouth. Because the gospel is something that you herald. Like you announce the gospel. I live the gospel. It doesn't make any sense. The gospel is the good news. Let me live a life that's worthy of. What do you mean you live the gospel? That doesn't make any sense. Like it's the good news that you tell someone, you herald. So we say it like this. So it's going to feel like I'm, I'm bragging on myself. I, I think I'm a decently nice guy. Like I'm not, I'm not the best, but I think I'm a decently nice guy. Like I've lived in, I think, three houses in the last 10 years. That's too much to move. But I think I've been a pretty good neighbor. Not the best. But I've never like had a fight with my neighbor. Like, like you know, they got that strip on your side. It's their grass. I'll mow it. I mean, like, I, I feel like I, I'm a, you got too many grocery bags. I'll, I'll carry them in there. Like, I'm a decent neighbor, I think. Like, I think I'm a fairly polite Walmart shopper. I just do. Like, I, I just think. Like, I'm not, I'm not crazy. I'm not one of them doing, I'm buying everyone's groceries up in there. But I think I'm fairly polite. I've been a pastor for 25 years. I like to think Maybe I'm naive here. I like to think the way I live my life, there are some people at least that would know that I serve Christ. Never in my life. Never. And maybe I'm doing this wrong. Never in my life has someone come up to me and said, brother, I see the way you live. Can you tell me about Jesus? Never. This never happened to me. Like I've never been said, I see the way you cut your grass. Can you tell me about Jesus? Like never. Like I saw you hold that door for that woman. Like, 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 will you tell me about Jesus? It's never happened to me in my life. And maybe it does for you, and praise God. You have to open your mouth. Somewhere along the way, you've got to tell people why it is that Jesus loves them. You've got to tell people why you care for them. Because by yourself, you would not. You wouldn't. But it's what Christ has done in me. Like, that's why I care. How can they believe unless someone tells them? Mark, 
chapter 1, verse 32 said that evening at sundown, they brought to him all that were sick and oppressed by demons. They just kept bringing people. Like that's what they were trained to do. They brought people to Jesus. And the whole city gathered together at the door. Jump down to 45. But he went out and began to talk, talk, talk. He began to talk freely about it to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town. They created a problem because they're talking about Jesus so much. But was out in desolate places where people were coming to him from every quarter. You remember the story of the paralyzed man? Remember that story? There's a man who's paralyzed. And the Bible says he has four friends. And I don't really know how they did this, but they took this man to Jesus. I don't know if you remember the story, but they took him to this house that Jesus is preaching in. And I feel like they, they, they arrived at the house. This is a bit conjecture, a little outside. The scripture doesn't say this exactly, but I just feel like they, they probably rolled up to the house. And it says that the crowd was too much in front of the door. They couldn't get them in, but they knew they had to get their friends to Jesus. And I just picture one friend saying to the other, you think of what I'm thinking? He's like, I think so. He's like, let's put him on the roof. That friend's like, I wouldn't think of that at all. Like on the roof, on the roof. I don't know how they got up there. I didn't say it was a ladder. I mean, I've seen some, 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 some artwork of like staircase. I don't know how they got him up there. But somehow they get this paralyzed man on the roof of this house. And then have a skill saw. Like, and it wasn't probably lumber, it's probably thatch and hay and mud. I don't think it was a trap door up there either. I just don't. Like somehow they got through the roof. I don't know, they're hitting on it. They're ripping stuff out. Do you understand the risk involved here? Like you're paying for my roof if you tear it off. You just are. And here's the truth. I don't know if those dudes even know what Jesus is going to say. Maybe this bro, like if someone starts ripping off their roof, I'm probably like, will you stop? I'm about done. Will you just stop? Like, I don't know. I don't know what he's going to say. Like the risk that was involved. I certainly don't have to pay for that. They, all these things. Why? Why would they risk that? Because they knew that's the only answer. Like they, you can just see the angst and the, they, they believe it's the only answer. The followers continue. They always brought anyone that had need to Jesus. Why? Because they knew who Jesus was. They knew if I can just get the sick to him, if I can just get the, the lost to him, he'll save them. If I can get him into the crowd, if I can just bring this brother into the crowd of all these people, he's going to get healed. He's going to get touched. He's going to get saved. And those living in chaos come to the crowd. They will find peace. Followers of Jesus bring people to him. You have to bring if you're a If you're a follower of Jesus, you need to be introducing people to Jesus. For the crowds to exist, there has to be bringers. The word brought here in this context means you're a burden carrier. You'll do whatever it takes to bring people to Jesus. If there's something going on at the church, man, I hope your thought process always is, who can I bring? No matter what, thrive Sunday night, I'm just going to bring somebody. I'm going to bring my neighbor. I'm going to bring the person at Walmart. Like I'm bringing people because I want to get people to Jesus. And listen, my concern is not that we grow VFC as a church. My concern is that the kingdom of God continues to grow. And I think that's why we're put here. I want to go home one day. And I think God wants us to bring people with us, to be able to talk to people about Jesus. The Great Commission, though, didn't say bring them to church. It doesn't. It's a call to all of us. It says you go and you go and make disciples. Just bring them to church, I think, actually is an excuse. That's all you're doing, to not live out your purpose. Again, I want you to bring people here for sure. 
I want people to experience God, but I think pastors, myself included, have done a huge, a massive disservice to people. Years trying to get people to fulfill the Great Commission for attendees. You bring them, I'll tell them about them. No, you're not going to find that in the Bible. Why don't you lead them to Jesus this week? We'll gather back up and we'll celebrate together on Sunday. But here's the thing. The only way you'll be driven to do that is if you actually believe this. Like if this isn't just a hobby for you. Like you actually have to believe this. Like, do you really believe Jesus died for you? And I don't need to answer that out loud, just for yourself. Do you actually believe that he conquered death for you? Do you actually believe there's a heaven and there's a hell? Do you actually believe that? Do you actually believe that everyone will spend eternity in one or the other? Do you actually believe that? You ever said this before? You ever said, I I believe. I don't want to be pushy. I don't want to be that guy. You don't raise your hand here, but you ever felt that way? Like, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be be annoying. Let's talk for a second. It's a confusing statement for me. Like, it's confusing. Like, I'm wearing this OU jersey today, and I am an OU fan. I grew up an OU fan. Probably I only like OU because my dad liked OU. I don't think it actually makes your life any better. I don't. I'm not going to go out there to that OSU tailgate and throw this on somebody's head. Like, I want to fix you. That's pushy. That's not what we're talking about. Like, sometimes I think we approach the gospel as if, like, it works for some people. It doesn't work. No, it's not true. I'm not certain you believe the gospel. Like, I heard someone say recently to me, and I was talking to these people, and they said, I, I don't want to push my kids. What? Like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm so confused by that. Like, I don't want to push my religion on my kids. Yes, my two sons, they had to make a decision for Jesus on their own. They're not getting in because dad was a pastor. Understand that. But the idea that I'm just going to let them sort it out is ludicrous to me. If you don't believe this, I don't know that you know him. Like, if if this is not a political party we're suggesting you join. I don't think either one of them or any political party helps you in any way. But this is different. This is life or death. This is eternity. It hangs there. You either believe this or you don't. Like the idea that you come home and you think, if you never had the feeling, I was a little forceful today, I don't know that you're doing it right. Like I just don't know that you're doing it right. Like think about it like this. Like if there's this burning building outside and it's on fire and for some reason you don't see it. You don't see the fire up on the second floor. And I see you walking and I think, man, I don't know how they feel about fires. I'm nervous. They may say, mind your business. Come on. That's what we're talking about here. That is far better of an example of telling someone about Jesus than you trying to convince someone to vote a certain way. Think of it like that. This isn't just like one brand. Jesus is the best brand in America to try. No, it's life or death. Like we've got to figure this out. Like we've been tricked. We've been duped in believing like this, this political correctness that we have in our society stops me from sharing my beliefs with you. I think my political beliefs, yeah, you don't need to hear those. But this is Jesus. Like he changes everyone's life. If I don't want to tell everyone, then I don't believe it. Like this is it. This is everything to us. You see Jesus welcome the crowd. It ain't like you're taking a gamble here. He welcomes them. Every one of them, he always will. If you're in the crowd, listen to me. Jesus is inviting you to come follow him. If you're in the crowd and maybe you're just, just checking these things out, like he's invi- he goes out, he entreats you. If you don't like to be pushy, pull him. 
pull him, pull someone to Jesus. Do something. If you believe he's the only way, as the text says, you better figure it out. We better figure it out. I don't care if we're pushing, pulling. Let's get him there. We've got to get people in front of Jesus because everything I see in the scripture, once they get there, they get healed. And I don't know if that always means physically, they get healed one way or the other. Jesus heals. And that's what he wants for all of us. So if you're already closer to Jesus, listen, you gotta figure that out. Get yourself understanding this is it. This is life or death. Invite other people to be a part of the crowd so they can follow him. I'm over, let's pray. God, we love you. God, we thank you for your overwhelming love. Your overwhelming love that you have for the crowd and the invitation, the ongoing invitation and you're inviting us, you invite us, God, to take a step closer to you. And so God, my prayer would be for those today that find themselves in the crowd, that, that they know a little bit about you, but they don't know you. My prayer is that God, that you would draw them close you would stir their hearts, God. You'd help us all, help us to realize we are made to serve you. We're made to be your son. We're made to be your daughter. That's why we were created. And so for those of us who know you, God, I just pray you would create a desire in us an overwhelming confidence knowing that we have the answer. We may not know every little answer, but we have the answer. And the answer is you and salvation through you. And so maybe you would say today, I can't help but say this. If you are here today and you don't know Jesus and you just feel like, man, you're a part of this crowd. You know some facts about him, but you don't actually know him. And I just wish I could, I could illustrate the angst in my heart that I have for you. He loves you. He longs to adopt you. Listen, I don't care what you believed before. Like you think, well, you don't know what I've done. Listen, the cross covers it. He he wouldn't die that kind of death if it wouldn't cover all. The Bible says a multitude of sins. It covers them all. He just asks that we surrender to him. And then it's a free gift. It's instantaneous. Overwhelming love and grace comes over you. You begin living a new life. And I'm not saying it's easy, but he saves you. And now I have purpose. So maybe that's you today. I mean, you step to this point, man, I've known some things about him, but I don't know him. He's not Lord. He's not Savior. But today, man, he's drawing you. He's stirring your heart for him. And you want to say yes to Jesus. If that's you, we just slip up your hand. Man, today's my day. I want to invite him into my life. I want to live for him. Why don't we all pray this prayer out loud together? Pray this way. Father God, thank you for saving me. Come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. I repent of my sins. I choose you today. I choose you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it or share it on social media and tag at VFC underscore Newcastle. If you haven't already, download the Victory Family Church app to stay connected with everything that's happening throughout the week. Thanks again for listening. Have an awesome week.